Hi, my name's Bree, and I have no idea what I'm doing, but I have a lot of questions. Who are you people? No, really, who are you? That's a great question, Bree. That's like a crazy loaded question. Ooh, that is a great question. It's an interesting question. That's probably a really good question. Ooh, that's an excellent question, Miss Bree. Oh, that's a deep question. It's a good question. <laughs> it's like, what is the meaning of life? Fuck if I know. Any more questions? Oh, yeah, Bree? I have a lot of that. I've never been asked that question before. Does anyone really know? Well, I'm here to find out. I'm Bree, and this is the Bree Search Project. Hope you guys are strapped in and ready for a wild ride, because my guest today never hits the brakes. Zachary Mertens is a host at Hoonigan Industries, and if you haven't seen any of their countless automotive shows, watched the Amazon Prime series The Gymkhana Files, or aren't one of their nearly 3.5 million YouTube subscribers, let me take a moment and just fill you in. A Hoonigan is defined as a person who operates a motor vehicle in an aggressive or unorthodox manner consisting of, but not limited to, drifting, burnouts, donuts, as well as acts of automotive aeronautics. One who hoons. Basically, these guys push vehicles to the very limits of physics, doing utterly unbelievable tricks, visually stunning stunts that have made Hoonigan one of the most widely watched channels on the internet. The company's star is Ken Block. He's the founder of DC Shoes and a world-famous rally car driver. He created Hoonigan Racing Division, which is a motor racing team that competes in World Rally Cross Championships, Global Championships, FIA World, Rally America, Rally Car Racing. I met Zach while I was producing one of the shoots for Ken Block's channel, and soon you'll see why so many people just can't look away. Buckle up. Here's Zach Mertens. Yeah, you can just do my intro in general, and then I'll just put it on all of them. Well, welcome to the stream. Welcome to the podcast. We are here today with Bree Kubelik and Zachary Mertens of the Hoonigans. Are you actually recording that? Yeah. Okay, so first of all, welcome to Zach Mertens to the podcast. I would like to ask you firstly, what are we drinking? Oh, well, uh, thank you uh, for having me on. Also, welcome to me. No. <laughs> uh, we are drinking an ice-cold Coors Banquet. Uh, Ooh. You know, I'm a big fan of the banquet. Uh, the, the bandit drove long and hard across to get that beer back to Atlanta <laughs> from the Texarkana border. Yeah. Uh, you know, changed my childhood and obviously the, the childhood of many throughout the years. And I'd just like to yeah. pay my respects. <laughs> Still going strong. Yes, ma'am. I am here cracking a uh, brand new White Claw themed beverage, hard sparkling cider that is not White Claw. Sorry, White Claw. What um, are you? Is it you? You're not drinking that Corona one, are you? Oh God, no! Do you know that Natty Light has one now? Yeah, every company has one. Look, everybody jumped on that bandwagon once they saw that spike, that spike in revenue. Which is funny to me because they became so incredibly popular last summer, but they're essentially just like Mad Dog, right? Like it's just like malt liquor and seltzer water, which everybody's drinking. So, you know, it's, whatever. It's Zima, you know what I mean? Like sometimes mm -hmm. you get a Zima's making a big comeback. Exactly. It's Zima in new packaging. Okay. So 
how I start every podcast is I ask, who are you? That's probably a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name is Zach Mertens. I am a, a oh, I hate to use this word, but I guess like personality. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a host at Hoonigan, um, but also, you know, the sometimes editor now, but I came up through the ranks as, as an editor and on the production side of things, mostly post-production. And, um, you know, kind of most of us are jack of all trades over there, but I'm the in-house semi-professional stuntman. So anytime that something super dumb and sketchy has to happen, usually <laughs> my name is automatically thrown into the ring for it, whether I oh. want to do it or not. Um, so whether that be, um, you know, jumping cars off of ramps to flat uh, that should not be jumped, uh, you know, to big sins, uh, maybe driving something that has a really high risk of catching on fire at some point. That <laughs> Zach will do it. Yeah. So yeah, but we work at Hoonigan. Hoonigan is an automotive, uh, essentially a lifestyle brand, but we are a like content creating machine. I mean, we yes. have multiple YouTube channels. We're best known for our Jim Connor series uh, mm-hmm. featuring our founder, Ken Block, or I guess I should say co-founder. Yeah. Um, and also, I guess, the uh, Amazon Prime series, The Jim Connor Files, which is like basically a behind the scenes look at the creation of Jim Connor 10. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, we do rad stuff. We get to live like man children and destroy cars on a regular basis. Very true. So I came on during Jim Connor Files, which was how I, my intro to Hoonigan, which was pretty tame considering. And then from there, after meeting everybody and kind of getting into content, it went off the rails. Because <laughs> then I got a real sense of the normal crazy ass content that you guys do over there, which Jim Connor to me was insane as it was. But then kind of getting to do everything else, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a whole community and a whole genre of content that's being constantly made. And you guys have a huge fan base who are really like loyal and informed about everything you do, which I think is cool. Yeah, you know, we gotta yeah, there's a lot of a lot of shitheads out there that like what we're the gospel we're preaching. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about Hoonigan. I mean, now that we're talking about it, we can go back. You started out as an editor, right? So what are all of your jobs there? Uh, well, now they've, they've changed pretty significantly. But uh, when I started out, um, I met the Hoonigan guys through... I was doing another show with a buddy called NARPM. And we yeah, had come by to basically film an episode of our show. And I was doing all the editing for that. Now, when I say show, I mean like, you know, it's a YouTube channel thing. You know, it's not a TV show. Right. But um, I had been doing all the editing for that. And then um, once we were going to close up shop, um, you know, Hoonigan had started doing the original content stuff. So the daily transmission is it was like all that's what everything was called back in the day, which is now branched off into like many other show formats. Yeah, so many other shows. Yeah. Um, and I came on board just. You know, I was like, hey, you know, you guys probably need some help editing because you guys are trying to crank out daily content, you know, which is like mm-hmm. no easy feat. And um, I guess they knew that I could edit um, and they knew that I could actually like get in front of the camera here and there. So um, that's, yeah, I just kind of started as an editor, you know, would be grinding with the boys till like 
two and three in the morning sometimes like cranking out stuff and um i just kind of i don't know i kind of moved up through there but like as you're there more often you know you inevitably become a character in the mix right because we're filming constantly throughout it's like uh, for lack of a better word like a if you had like rob dyrdek's fantasy factory right right like all the people that work within that you know eventually become characters in the show right and you have your key players well I guess mine just, you know, I just was there and just would be doing stuff more and more often. And so you just become essentially a character. Right. And uh, yeah, so I don't that know, I just was, started hosting more. That was an interesting thing to me in general, kind of how you become a personality just from being around because everybody's constantly cross shooting. There's a lot of like intermingling and it's the same kind of people. But it's interesting to see how everybody has kind of become a character, like a personality within all of the content. How much of the people that we see on Hoonigan content are characters on camera versus who they are in real life? Well, honestly, I think most people are very like, that's just how they are in real life. Me, like I tend to default to a character, right? right? Uh, it's like a good outlet for me because it causes me to not be a complete jackass in real life anymore. <laughs> um, but you know, like I'm essentially like the, we got like a running joke where I'm the Hoonigan Billy Mays. Right? right. So I've always loved infomercials and like, um, what do you call it? Like televangelist. I think it's hilarious. Right. Yeah. And like their delivery on stuff. So, you know, whenever there was like times where we'd have an integration or, you know, we'd, need to kind of push some of our own product because oh yeah basically the brand was originally started as a merchandise a clothing company Mm -hmm. and uh you know we were like hey we should push some of the clothes so there'd be things where i'd like i created the uh the hoonigan shopping network which is like a a ripoff shitty home version of qvc (laughs) that was like slightly offensive and really aggravated if you will that was one of my favorite things though and that was after we had worked together we had gone on a few jobs together we had taken a spontaneous necessary road trip through utah (laughs) to get to an airport um i was doing research for a show that i was going to be brought on to and i hadn't seen before and i was watching previous seasons of it on the channel and this is when you were still doing like random ass commercials in the middle <laughs> in the middle of the content and i got such a kick out of it was like i don't know what you were selling hair gel or something and i just thought they were so funny oh, the dollar shave club yes 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 like, oh my god it was so funny a, i was just like this is priceless yeah dollar shave club is actually uh of all of the like non-endemic brands that would like uh, advertise their like sponsor some of our content right like dollar shave club would be like hey you know, as long as you say some key things, like we're not really going to step on your creative style too much. Mm-hmm. So like, I was like, I'm going to see how far I can push this. And so like, you know, that's when we created the, um, cause one of the new products they had were like the groundskeeper butt wipes. And so I was like, <laughs> I made an entire commercial based around like having grundle butter. It was like hashtag grundle butter. It was like the, you know, the eventual theme. And it was basically about like, Hey, you know, you're working in the shop doing whatever the hell you're doing and it's like you're just gonna have swamp ass all day so like it was basically a commercial about swamp ass but it it was fun you know and the one cool thing about working in the youtube space is like you can push those boundaries Mm -hmm. for the most part and a lot of stuff yeah that's that's very true yeah but i love doing that you know what what other skills have you had to kind of cultivate since you joined up with hoonigan um well honestly like so one of the big things that uh is pretty rad is you know they encourage us to learn 
a lot of different stuff, right? So um, I so far built two motorcycles on the channel. Um, I've built a truck from the ground up when it's like something I'd never like the motorcycles I'd done, but like really with car stuff, like to strip something all the way down to it's like bare bones and build it from the ground up. It's pretty cool. And obviously the other fun part about that is having to do it like after work. So it's like, you know, you work till like 10 PM and then like, then start filming yourself trying to like basically screw up left and right and figure some shit out for, you know, months on end, you know, working from like 10 PM to three or 4 AM and then going back to work in the morning to like edit and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like, I, I got to learn a lot of like mechanical skills and stuff like that. Yeah, that's um, true. also with, um, the way we generate content, you know, we're, we're shooting it. You gotta be like really agile, mm-hmm. right? Like, so we get to try a lot of things and we're encouraged to like, just go for it. And if we fail, like, you know what, it's whatever, but you know, it's like try to like constantly learn from it. Mm-hmm. And with an ever evolving space like YouTube, where like we have what, six YouTube channels now, and we're generating usually somewhere between two and three videos a week per channel. Um, you know, like it's a lot of content. So you got to be able to like come up with ideas quick, execute them quick, like figure out how the hell you're going to like with very limited resource, mm-hmm. how you're going to create something radical and you know make it come through to the viewer that it's just as radical as you think it is right you know? especially when it gets to the ken block stuff i mean that's a little bit more you know we try to spend a little bit more time with that because like ken has to be 100 percent gnar you know <laughs> yeah gnar all the time yeah i mean and luckily he has a lot of like uh a, he's got a lot of access to mm-hmm. things like cool vehicles boats and like you know the famous people and yeah. stuff so like it's it's a little bit easier but like if it's Ken, it's, you know, like when we met, we were on a Ken block shoot where it's like, okay, we got to go to Lake Powell and like, you know, set up camp in this RV on the shores and then like rip this speedboat and like tow, yeah. a, tow a dude on a, like some pro wakeboarder. Jump Can-Ams in, over, you know, yeah. giant rock formations yeah. and yeah, tow somebody yeah. around Lone Rock. Yeah. So like you get to try a lot of things and you get to learn how to work really fast in production. And I think that's one of the biggest assets for Hoonigan is that like, man, we've all worked so savagely under pressure mm-hmm. for so long that, you know, when something catastrophic happens or like when something needs to change, like immediately, everybody can pivot really quick. Yeah. They call it the Hoonigan media machine. And, you know, I thought that was a cute like marketing phrase when everything started. And then I was like, that's exactly what it is. It's it's a well-oiled machine. I mean, well-oiled is a strong word sometimes, <laughs> but it's it's a machine nonetheless. And it's interesting. Like Everybody has to be a one-man band at some level, right? Everybody has to be yeah. able to kind of pivot and do something else. Everybody's multi-talented. Everybody has more than one job or more than one title. And the way it all fits together is honestly just fascinating to watch because it's uh it's it's unique. Like there's not a lot of other companies and you know content creators that are doing as much stuff in varying places and degrees of integration that's all kind of homogenized over a brand. Because regardless of what the content is, the Ken stuff is a little bit different, but it still all has to kind of feel the same and look the same and have the same kind of general sense of how it's shot and how it's put together. And I think it's really interesting to see everybody kind of like puts their spin on it, but it all goes together. Yeah, it's a trip, right? Like with the whole, um, hey, this has to be shot kind of shitty. Mm-hmm, yeah. 
that was uh that was a big thing for me because when we were doing rpm we were like okay let's show like there's three of us doing this like let's try to make this look as professional as humanly possible with a budget that really didn't exist but like you know we would try like really hard to make it look like a tv show and when i came to hoonigan they were like uh okay yeah like this editing style is cool and all and it like it's dope and i could see it as like you know it could totally be on discovery but uh lose all that shit uh add more shape you know what i mean like the shitty um we use like a sony rx 100 which is like uh the vlogger cam if you will where you know and that's a really weird thing getting used to talking to a camera that you're holding and not feeling like a complete idiot but um and yet you all are so comfortable with it that it freaks me out like ron looks like he was born with that camera in his hand i'm just like i don't understand how this is so normal for you but okay well you know you do something a lot and you get used to it you know you just got to get over yourself and like hey yeah i look like an idiot right (laughs) like that's okay but no um you know you get there's a certain element that you know we try to embody with everything that we're doing um and that's we all came up in like we were all either teenagers or kids skating in the 90s right and obviously ken you know having such like a you know being such a big part of the skate and mm-hmm. snowboard industry um and it's like rebirth if you will yeah. like one of the things we always loved was like yo when you're watching old skate videos it you feel like you're in the mix and it's like it there's like this inherent awesomeness because it's just like dudes just going out having a session you know with like a wide angle lens and they're skating right next to their bros hitting tricks and sometimes people are eating shit and like but they're like nailing it you know and there's like a good feeling about that and like a lot of car content had gotten so like shoot it at eight million frames a second and you know let's get a helicopter mm-hmm. with a fucking like uh arm on it you know right, what i mean yeah. like slow-mo and, and beauty shots and it's too, exactly and it'd be too overproduced and we're like fuck that man let's make like let's make some skate videos but with fucking cars that's man. so you know? true that's a perfect way to describe it which i hadn't really thought about other than like business company wise the merch and stuff is all like geared towards that but it's skate videos but with cars that's like bros just hanging out because I remember when I first came on, I was shooting, uh, which I don't know which one it was, but somebody told me they were like, no, that's too nice. It's too good. You have to make it shittier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I've never been told that before in my life. Like, no, it's too good. And they're like, no, fuck it up. Like, <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. there's, yeah. There's an inherent feeling you get when, um, you know, when you have that, like that camera shaking or like, you know, it's like right in the mix mm-hmm. and it's, you almost get hit by the fucking car and then you're getting like blasted with gravel or whatever right after it flies by. It feels really gnarly and sketchy and like it brings the viewer into that space. And so that's something that we always, it's something we just, you know, we try to like, we're all car bros, yeah. car dudes that are trying to figure out how to make media and like do cool stuff yeah. and to not ever have a real job. <laughs> Um, not the other way around where we're like, uh, you know, my job. We're all like, no, we're not like, well, we went to film school. Let's make some car stuff. Like, no, like, right. Most of the people, like, luckily now, like, we've attracted people that are really good in the space of, let's call it cinematography, Mm -hmm. uh, or like, you know, like we got some like really awesome young editors, um, and but they all dig. Everybody is like inherently a a car person, you know, and so there's nobody at at our space that's not into cars, except for uh, maybe Jesse. (laughs) 
but, but like Jesse's a savage, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? And like, he's got his own, he's never like really been like huge into cars and stuff, but like, he's an absolute savage and like has like the, this hilarious uh, sense of humor and like really dark shit, you know, and like an editing style, but he, he brings some other things to the table that yeah. work, you know what I mean? And so we all mesh really well. Like it that. is. It's a really cool environment. What's the coolest thing you've gotten to do because of shooting car content? At Hoonigan or car uh, content? Just in, in general, general, but. Okay. So there's been a couple of things and like one starting in RPM, right? Yeah. The very last episode that we did in like the first rendition of it. Um, somehow we convinced McLaren to give us two McLaren 570 GTs uh, for like a week. And then you know, with the idea that we were going to take these and go like camping in them, uh, which turned into me, Mike and myself going up to Lone Pine and just like smashing these fucking things on gravel oh roads God. for three Taking days. Taking McLaren off-road? At, yeah, it's literally, if you look it up on YouTube, it's like off-road McLaren. Um, and it's like the first thing that pops up. But like, we just beat this shit out of these things. And uh, I mean, we didn't like destroy them you know what i mean but like they got work yeah. and uh we returned them <laughs> not you know we, we had to drive them but that was another thing they wouldn't give us um any kind of like uh like i even a fucking spare tire right? right it was like hey you get these we're gonna go out on a limb here also the only reason we got them uh was because like mike at the time um he used daily in a mclaren 570s and uh all the guys at the at the shop knew him because you know he'd be beating the shit out of it and it was always in for service and stuff but he it was his only car like he lived in an apartment and had this <laughs> mclaren and uh they were like this is sick this is like the only dude that's like driving the shit out of this thing right. and you know they they'd saw our content and i guess we had made another video uh about like some exhaust stuff on a mclaren and uh there was like two different people that came in and cited it when they were buying a mclaren so that oh, was yeah, like good. the leg in where you know, McLaren North America was like, hey, uh, so these guys, you know, they've clearly they've sold some cars for <laughs> us. And so anyway, now McLaren does not give uh, they don't do like influencer shit anymore. <laughs> like they will not give anybody cars uh, because uh, I don't know. I don't know what they look like. I mean, we washed them off and stuff, so they didn't look like bad, but I'm sure the underside of them was like totally. Oh, yeah. Fun. Oh, yeah. But it was really fun. Um, so that was cool because that's like uh you know, somebody giving you the keys to the castle and then you just throw a fucking rager in it. And then you're just like, fuck you, bro. Um, so that was fun. Also getting, being able to go to 24 hour of Ma was really cool. And then with, with Hoonigan, I'd say some of the coolest stuff would be, you know, learning to building my C10 was awesome. Um, and then being able to do our live events at SEMA yeah. and be like, such a huge part of like the pinnacle of you know the aftermarket automotive industry and just be able to like come in as some kind of like shithead kids that you know like a lot of brands didn't give us um like they knew what people would know what hoonigan was but it's like they, it was almost like it didn't have the how do i put this like we were always kind of like the redheaded stepchild yeah yeah and they're like it was like oh you know we're you know, whatever, like, you know, you got Ford out front right. and then they gave us some shitty spot in the first year we did it, uh, off in the corner and like no man's land. And, you know, we had that fucking whole parking lot just packed with yeah. people because we were just causing pure mayhem 
And, you know, like people weren't even like going to like the big show at like Ford out front and stuff. Yeah. And then the next year they gave us an even bigger spot and, you know, we just burn that motherfucker to the ground every year now. Yeah. And that's, it's a cool feeling to be like, have to earn that respect through it. But then to, to see the industry kind of come back and be like, yo, this is sick. You know? Right. It's wild. And, uh, there's a, there's a massive fan base. I mean, I admittedly was not particularly into car content really in general, but really enjoyed the stuff that I watched once I got into Hoonigan and started working with you guys. And I have a bunch of, you know, t-shirts and stuff now that I wear around from shoots and it's crazy. It's like, it's like, that phenomenon where you, if you're dating somebody who has a blue Cadillac, then you start seeing blue Cadillacs everywhere. Like once I started working for mm -hmm. Hoonigan, I saw more fucking t-shirts and bumper stickers and spoilers on cars and people would stop me. I, I've done other travel shoots and people would stop me if I'm wearing like Hoonigan stuff. And they're like, oh my God, do you know Ken Block? Can you like get me whatever? And I'm just like, oh my God, I had no idea how massive... I just notice it everywhere now. I did a shoot in Johnson City, Tennessee, and I was like driving past a Waffle House and there was a guy that pulled up next to me at a red light with a giant Hoonigan sticker like across the back of his car. And I was like, of course, of course. Oh, yeah. Sure. Fine. Well, you know, the the one thing Hoonigan was the brand itself was built on, you know, this this idea of like doing the shit you, you're not supposed to do in cars. Right. So like burnouts, jumps, fucking there's a when i first met scotto right when we were doing that one that shoot with an rpm he said something that's like stuck i interviewed him and it's it's stuck in my head ever since he's like he's like there's a there's a recipe for success in this it's jump smoke fire <laughs> right as long as you have one of those things like it'll be cool yeah. if you can if you can integrate all three into something it's gonna bad yeah yeah that's that's very true their recipe for success yeah that sounds like scotto so yeah so now like you know anytime that we do something we try to just burn it to the ground if possible you know or completely total it for instance that uh, the last the last like stunt if you will that i had to do i didn't have to do, i kind of like volunteered for it because it was sick it's like my thing <laughs> um you know, we have our, our, our famous or infamous, if you will, shit car that's gone through all these different, like, it, it was like a $350 BMW, uh, E36 that somebody just like, I guess, you know, gave us for 350 sure. bucks and it's been beaten within an inch of its life every single day. It's been like, anytime it's been turned on, <laughs> if it's been running, it's been just like, you know, abused, clutch kicked, it's, you know, limiter banging, slammed into walls, like jumped off of stuff. But like we turned it into an off-road car and like put like rally suspension on it and all this shit and like, like repainted it. And it was like, it was, we actually put way too much nice stuff on it. Right. And put like a full cage in it. And then immediately after finishing it to, to kind of like round off the video, I got in it and, you know, we set up the ramps and I, it drove for, I want to say 400 feet maybe <laughs> because I had to drive it to the one side of the parking lot and turn it around and then hit this jump and then basically totaled it because like it hit the jump and then nosedived into uh -huh. the ground and then the, the front wheels because we put these like 30 inch, I don't know, like bigger off-road intended tires on it you know, slammed into the firewall, just like ripped through the firewall. And like, it, it just broke everything and gave me gnarly whiplash. <laughs> but that was really fun. You know, and that we get to do stuff like that still. And like, just, you know, in our front parking lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. I remember when I started, I think I came in on like a Tuesday or Wednesday and then I was there for first Fridays and I was like losing my mind because I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Everybody's out in go-karts going around. They're like, you know, donuts in the front parking lot. And I was just like, um, is this a thing? And they're like, oh yeah, this is, it happens every week. (laughs) Okay. It wasn't first Fridays. It was Friday. Yeah. No. Yeah. Friday. In general. Any Friday. (laughs) It used to be like we got kind of shut down by the I city. Know, um, not necessarily shut down by the city. The city are big fans of us because uh, you know we we're, we have a good rapport with the police and the fire department because they've been by our shop so many times. But um, we would do these gnarly burnout sessions in the front parking lot. You know, we'd always get permits for them. You know, uh, but like man, we used to just be able to every Thursday it would just be mayhem. You yeah, know, like pure fucking carnage <laughs> which is cool because like you'd be at your desk and then you just like here's some like gnarly car fire up and then everybody just kind of like stop what they were doing yeah go outside and just like wait for somebody to slam their car into the wall or like accidentally jump it off the dock or off I mean? the dock yeah that's or, what i was gonna say like <laughs> yeah you know it's good times it's fine oh it's, no, it's, it's, great. it's a cool workplace environment you know and the I, I remember like my first episode that I was kind of like featured in, they wanted me to like, it was like jumping me in and they had this shitty Miata that somebody like dropped off <laughs> and uh, we like cut the windshield off of it. And they're like, all right, they were going to crush it with a tank. And I was like, well, let me jump it. So they're like, fuck it, let's go. And then it's really bad. If you watch it on YouTube, you can see why it's so bad. <laughs> I overshoot the landing ramp every single time oh, and like just, just, yeah, it's the car. It tacoed the frame on it. But, uh, but yeah, they had to like jump me in. And I remember like the next day we sat down, we were starting the show called Tangents, which we used to do on Fridays where we just kind of sit around on the couch and talk about shit that either happened like that week and the culture or like answer questions from online. And uh, they're like, how do we start it? And Scott was like, uh, hey, Zach, do you have your motorcycle here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, here, uh, Teague, roll the camera. Zach, ride your motorcycle in and crash it into the printer and rip a burnout. <laughs> By the way, this is like the middle of the day. So, like, you know, we work uh, in a in a essentially a warehouse, warehouse yeah. that was never intended on being offices. Right. So there's, there's no, like, walls. And so, like, I'm just sitting here on a Harley just <laughs> at rev limiter just ripping a hundred mile an hour wheel speed burnout, just like, and they're like, okay, welcome to tangents. And so like, everybody's got to work in all the, you know, tire smoke and shit, yeah. but yeah, that's how you speed. It's, it's fun. It's awesome. We've come a little bit since then, you know, we've, we've refined ourselves. Like we've moved the office people to another location now. Mm-hmm. So now it's like a clubhouse again. So like, <laughs> you know, we can still do shithead things inside of the office or inside of the warehouse and, you know, nobody's going to be like, hey, uh, you know, we got all of our like uh, accounting to do. Right. Yeah. No, it yeah, was hilarious so. to me because I would be working and inevitably half of the people there are like covered in grease for whatever reason. They're yeah. doing an episode or they've shot one or they're working on their own car or like whatever. And the smells like it smells like a garage all the time because it is. Mm-hmm. But like it's a it's a cool environment to be around. And it's it kind of like permeates your being after a while. Like you get in there and you're like, oh, I get it. This is the type of society that it takes to kind of like produce this content and be be in this club. Yeah. I mean, it kind of it's like this weird haven for um kind of like misfit degenerates mm-hmm. you know like 
it's it's pretty cool because like everybody is uh everybody that works there is like really smart you know like uh, in their own right like they have some sort of incredible talent mm-hmm. or like i would say like nobody nobody that i have i work with is dumb yeah and or i'm like you know you're a fucking idiot i mean we're idiots but we're not like you know yeah, no, that's More, that's very right? true. And I was going to talk about our first impressions or like, you know, things in common, what brought us together. And Hoonigan, we've been talking about that for a while. But like my first impression of you, first of all, walking into Hoonigan as a producer of film and TV as a female with no like car experience is intimidating anyway. So I was walking in going, oh, God, I don't. And it's and we've just talked about like what a crazy environment it is, which is, you know, a new thing. And I'm meeting all these people and they've all got these massive personalities and they're all doing 35 things. And I suspected you to be like super bro-y and kind of a douche. And I was like, I don't know. And then literally from like the minute we went to the airport the first time, I was like, this kid is super smart, super experienced, had all of this like crazy stories to tell. And I was like, I actually really... And I told Gil when I got back, he was like, how was Powell? And I was like, awesome. And everybody is so great. (laughs) Well, you can hang like, you know, it's, it's cool. It was actually cool working with you because this is the first time that, you know, somebody from the outside was brought in to like run a production. I was like, shit, man, this is like, we got to go and do a Ken shoot. And, you know, I've never worked with you at that point. Right. So I didn't know. I, I was like, fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, she knows kind of like how we sort of do things. But then also, you know, we're going to work with Ken. So I was like, oh, it will be like. You know, semi professional, <laughs> semi professional, yeah. And, uh, but you know, I mean, you, you're always on it, you know, you bust ass and you're just like, you know, when, when some shit happens, you could pivot really quick too. So you're kind of like a natural fit. And I think Gil even said that afterwards. He was like, oh, yeah, like she used to produce all these like live, uh, you know, music stuff with me. Yeah. And like she eventually, like, she was the only person I trusted to take over that where I could just like separate myself from it and not have to even worry about yeah. it. And, you know, I totally saw that. So, I mean, you're, you're a cool fit. You're rad. You know, if you were like super like, Oh my God, it probably would have been a real, like a much more oh, different trip. Miserable. Can you imagine like all the boys would like, never mind. <laughs> I would be like, uh, Hey, we got to, we got to go work and blow things up. Yeah, Bye. Okay. So let's go backwards. Okay. Where are you from? When and why did you leave there? Okay. Tell me the thing. A- any more questions? Oh, yeah, or... I have a lot of them about growing up. Like what no. stuck with you uh, from okay. that place? You know, what do you carry from yeah. your childhood? All right. All right. <laughs> so um, originally I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know, I grew up in both St. Louis, Missouri and then Memphis, Tennessee, you know, parents divorce kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, so always uh, up and down the Mississippi River. Uh, and I moved out to Los Angeles in 2011. And uh, honestly, I came out here because like I had a buddy whose parents had uh, bought some condos actually in Long Beach, oddly enough, um, when the market tanked. And it was like brand new condos. And he was living out in one. And I went to school. I did like a study abroad in Amsterdam had a bunch of friends that were from Cal State Long Beach that were doing a study abroad at the same time, right? So I was like, oh, I'll just like go and, you know, see my bros from Amsterdam, hang out with my buddy Dylan, you know, whatever. And then I came out and I was like, this is sick. Like, there's a totally different vibe. And this is, you know, you got to remember this is, even in 2011, which wasn't that long ago, this is like before Instagram right. and shit like that. When I would be home, I always ha- would have ideas like, I want to I want to do this, you know, or whatever it would be, but it would sound fucking retarded to people back home. And they'd be like, you're never going to be able to do that. You know, it seemed impossible to do anything creative, Mm -hmm. but 
when I came out here, I remember, uh, fuck, where were we? We were at Sharky's, you know, <laughs> with a bunch of people. And I was like, well, I've always wanted to do this. And I was like, oh, you know what? That's sick, man. I got a boy that does it. Like, I can connect you guys, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. What? What? Like, this is, you know. So, I don't know. It was just the vibe, the positivity towards creativity and uh, enthusiasm towards it instead of people shutting you down constantly. Yeah. And that was that was like the biggest driver for me. So um, at that time, I'd, I, I had planned, it was like right after I graduated college. So I, I planned on coming out and stayed for like three weeks, a month or so. And then I went home and then like worked my ass off for a year and saved like every penny, um, lived with my parents, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just And then as soon as I, I just remember it was it was like January and I had shoveled my driveway cause it snowed a bunch and it was like at like 11 PM. Cause I had to like get up early for work the next day and uh, I, I shoveled the driveway and then I wake up at like five 30 in the morning and I go out and it snowed like another fucking like <laughs> foot and a half. And I was like, man, fuck this. And like, just so happened my I'm buddy's out. mom called me. Yeah. And she's like, Hey, so like Dylan's living in our like two bedroom spot. Cause we rented the other one out. Would you want to move out to California? I was like, yes. And she's like, you can live at our spot, like rent free for a couple months until you guys find your own place. And I was like, bet. So yeah. it's like, as soon as I got off the phone with her, I found a company to ship my motorcycle out. And then as soon as I could find one that like, you know, I think I had like 500 bucks or something I was willing to spend on that. And, uh, when somebody like took the bid, I remember it was like, it was going to land on February 14th. And so I got a flight and I flew out February 15th with like two suitcases Yeah, and my bass guitar and like, that's it. And then (laughs) never look back. Nice. So were you always into cars, mechanic, motorcycles and that kind of shit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, um, a lot of people, most of my mom's family were like super mechanically inclined and like built rad custom boats, cars. My grandpa was into like uh, small planes and stuff. And, um, you know, so that's kind of where all that came. My dad's really mechanically inclined, although he's not like, he doesn't waste his time and money on cars. Cause you know, he knows it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got out of that like by the time he was in his twenties, was like fuck. I this, had man. this phase this a money hole. Yeah, um, but you know, so I've, I've always I've always dug it. I was more into motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I got into cars like briefly when I was I was really into it as I was like sixteen, and then by the time I was like eighteen, I was like, man, this is way too expensive to do anything that's cool. I just kind of gave. I essentially gave up on ever wanting a fast car, and then. I just always like messed around with different motorcycles and stuff and uh, went back to riding because, you know, I mean, for at that time for four grand, you could have a thousand CC sport bike that was faster than like everything on the road. So, right. So what were you like super into when you were a kid growing up? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you like school? Were you like into it or were you like constantly uh, finding other things to do? I liked being around people. Um, school was fine. I mean, it wasn't like hard. Um, I think it was like more like I needed more input, you know, or not input, but like a uh, shit to do. Mm-hmm. I would always like find like gnarly stuff. Like every day after school was like trying to find stuff to jump on my bike, you know, stuff like yeah. that. And then in high school, obviously, you know, you get certain shifts where you're like, Hey, let's go get some beers and try to get laid. Right. Um, 
that, you know, I mean, it, it's Missouri, right? There's not much to do. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's school is not, never was hard for me. Yeah. Um, it was more like I would just do it to get it out of the way and then like do fun, try to do fun. Well, shit, because like you, you, you majored in finance or business or something. What was, what did you study in Amsterdam? Oh. Well, my my degree's in international business um, with like a a focus in strategic marketing management, Mm. Um, which I guess technically I sort of use that now (laughs) uh, because what we do, I mean, essentially we like, you know, we're, we're, it's like, how do you make shit cool? Like, how do you make things fun and like make sense to people, you know? And it's like constantly trying to think about it from that perspective of like, Hey man, like make it rad. Yeah. Has Hoonigan changed your perspective on like automotive, you know, motorsports and the automotive genre? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely opened up like a, a it's made it's made so much shit possible, right? Because like before, if you had most things, like most of the shit that we do for a job is like frowned down upon. You know, like uh, like okay, racing, right? Racing is so fucking expensive that it's generally like really uptight mm-hmm. unless you get in stuff like I mean, even like NASCAR and stuff. You know, I mean, like where you got some good old boys, it's still pretty uptight. You know, you got sponsors and shit to like you got to you can't make your sponsors look bad. Yeah. You know, they don't want to. You know, if you get into something like endurance racing, where an LMP one class, which is like. Uh, the fastest shit at 24 hour Le Mans, for lack of a better term, right? Mm. They're spending upwards of like, like over a hundred million dollars a season. And then for like, you know, that's like prototype stuff. And then like the, the manufacturers, when you get in like Chevrolet and Ford that are doing endurance racing and like Porsche and Ferrari, like they spend millions and millions of dollars. But I mean, they're also developing technologies for their road cars. So it kind of makes right. sense, but it's like bracing is burning tons of money it doesn't make money for anybody right it's basically like a write-off where it's like hey we made too much cash let's go and flex it's it's just a it's a much better you know it's more fun to have a dick measuring contest than to give it to the government i guess (laughs) yeah um for the most part unless you're talking about like fucking monster trucks you know just destroying your car every time was not like an acceptable thing now Hoonigan becoming as popular as it has, has made it totally acceptable in the United States, I should say. Because like Australia has been, you know, they've been huge on the fucking, you know, just building cars straight up for burnouts and fucking carnage for a Mm -hmm. while. But like in the United States and I'd say like, you know, other places in the world, it's made it like a, hey, people can get on board with this and build cars to just go out and have fun. You don't have to be the fastest guy on the track. You don't have to be like, for instance, F1 drivers, right? Most F1 drivers, like those kids, they start as kids. And like, even Red Bull has like a school where like they'll, they send these kids for years and like, they train them how to be a professional race car driver, everything, not just like they're racing but like how to act right how to fucking carry themselves how to like hold interviews yeah, and they're stuff branding and it's like it. they're just cranking out machines like fucking terminator t1000s you know what i mean mm-hmm. and, and that's why they like you know it's like sometimes 
it's very rare that you get these like huge personalities. And sometimes when you do, they seem like hotheads or something just because they're talking, you know? Right. Just because they're different <laughs> than all the homogenized people that we are used to seeing. Exactly. So uh, I feel like uh, Hoonigan is, I've, I totally fucking forgot what your question was, but <laughs> I, I feel like it's definitely made it possible. Like it's bringing fun back to automotive, you know, just like having some good times with your bros, you yeah. know, it doesn't need to be drifting. Doesn't need, it could just be fat burnouts in a parking lot, you know, just having fun with whatever you, you know, you got like a $50 chit box that go and take off of a dirt jump. Yeah. So you're a self-described thrill seeker and I've seen this in action. So I know this to be true, especially in the car arena. What else does that include? And what are you afraid of? Oh man, I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I hate getting stabbed. That fucking hurts <laughs> so bad. Why do you know that? stabbed? Cause I've been stabbed before, man. It's just like <laughs> a terrible feeling. I hate needles. I don't like being on fire, but I don't think anybody I don't does. Like being on fire. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think those are the those are the big ones. You know, definitely getting stabbed. I hate things <laughs> puncturing my skin. It's just that it gives me the EBG. Do you have tattoos? And uh, yeah, I have one tattoo. I have one tattoo. How'd that go? Did it freak uh, you out? Like the process? No, but it, it was like ah, uh, it was it was like kind of like I was cringing, but it's. It was a, the only reason I got it was because actually it was before I worked at Hoonigan, they were promoting like Can-Am Maverick X3s when they first came out and, um, they, uh, they did all of their content with them and they, they had basically totaled all of them. Um, and they had one left and, um, Vinny was like, Hey, do you guys want to make some content with this or make some content with this thing? We're kind of done with it, but it would be just kind of like some icing on the cake for the manufacturer, you know, and whatever, like something, you know, we were like sick yeah that's awesome like we're actually about to go and do this like off-road shoot so he sent it out and uh if you've ever driven a can i mean you know what a can-am yeah. is obviously because you know we've shot with ken with them but like most people if can-ams are super fast and super capable right can-ams are like dune buggies but in like an off-road capacity it's a yeah it's a side-by-side that's turbocharged and has like long travel suspension on it. And um, anybody can go and just buy one for like 30 grand. And it's like the most capable shit on the planet, yeah, awesome. right? And they're crazy fast. Like they can take some gnarly whoops. They can like rock climb. They, they yeah, can use like, like a lot of So rides, for but. normal humans, those things that you see in Westworld that they're just like flying through fields and jumping over rocks, those are can-ams. <laughs> those, yeah, those actually are can yeah. series. So I'd never driven one of these before. And... I have a problem where like normally when I drive something, I try to like find where the limit's at so I can kind of be like, all right, that's where I'm going to lose control, right? right? And I can dial it back. Well, I had been doing that leading up to before our shoot and I'm like, yo, this is fucking sick. Like it's so fast. It can, I was taking whoops at like 90 miles an hour. It was like wide open throttle. Just, I was like, this is so comfortable. Like this, this shouldn't happen. Anyway, so we're doing this shoot, and then um, we were trying to make the Can-Am be like, like, how can we show, how can we show how agile it is and how fast it is without just being lame, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody else? So we had these fully automatic paintball guns, <laughs> and uh, Mike was like, "Yo, let's set up a course where you got to like basically do laps." And I'll just like stand out of the Jeep and just like fire paintballs at you in full auto. <laughs> and then if I hit you X amount of times, you lose. And then sure. if you if you can do 10 laps without getting hit, I think it was like 30 times that you win. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we're doing this. And then he doesn't hit me all that many times. And like I did the 10 laps and I stopped and he got out of the Jeep and he was like still shooting at me, like walking towards me. So I'm like, shit, 
I got to do another pass because we're still rolling. Mm-hmm. I come by, I'm hot and get hit right in the neck, right? And so I, I duck down and I'm trying to like run the course below the door line. So I'm not getting like hit anymore. And uh, I took the wrong, like a left sweeper and there was like a outside and an inside. And I had been taking the outside the entire time. And because I was ducked down, I just went to the inside run and I would usually just chuck it into it and just slide it sideways to this, right? right? Well, it was a little like sandy on the inside and it, it came in real hot and then over rotated and pitched. And I like flipped it like six I was times. I going to say you flipped the fuck out of this, huh? Oh dude. I tore like all the suspension off of it. And, uh, we, is a, we have it on film. We've never released oh it God. because, but anyway, so before that happened, Vinny was like, he sent me an email with some talking points, you know, on the Can-Am and he's like, Hey, this is whatever. And then the last line was just, don't die. Don't kill yourself. Right? I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it was just don't die. Right. And uh, when I got out uh, after the wreck, it was the first time, it, like my buddy Nick that was shooting it was like still rolling. None of the camera guys stopped rolling not. the whole time. Of course not. And uh, I was stoked because I didn't get hurt, you know, because they're really well like caged and stuff. But um, I get out and it was the first time I was ever comfortable in front of a camera. Like I didn't give a fuck about anything that was going mm-hmm. on. I was like, that was so sick. And it made me realize like, it's okay to fuck up. Right. Yeah. Like that's where the fun's at. Right. It was the most fun I had had on camera because like, I wasn't worried about what I looked like, you know, I wasn't worried about anything. And so when that happened, you know, I processed all that. We happened to, we did like a f- later, like many months later, we did a fundraiser to get my buddy back in racing and we like raised like 300 grand for him. Uh, and got him back racing Lamborghini Super Trofea. And we were all in uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, and it was Cinco de Mayo. And so we all get like shitty drunk and we're like, we should all get fucking tattoos. <laughs> and Mike was like, hey, you should just get Don't Die tattooed on your arm. And it was in the spot where like um, a lot of other uh, episodes we did, I would write our land navigation notes on my arm, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the last line was always, I would always put the last line, just don't, don't die, die, right? Like, don't die. And he's like, oh, you just get it tattooed on your arm so you don't have to write it anymore. And so that's, yeah. So I, I remember that. Yeah. Like right on your forearm. Yeah. And I have literally no other tattoos, nor do I really want to get another one because I hate needles. Uh. <laughs> that was like a 30 minute uh, no, that explanation was amazing. Of that. I still don't understand how you got stabbed but uh, <laughs> well that's okay so you guys are all extremely well versed in car shit and things you've taught me lots of random ass car facts teach me something that is a good like general knowledge car tip auto fact FYI for people do you have one if you're gonna if you're gonna jump a car um try to keep it in first gear because once you get in that second gear range man you better be really committed (laughs) and really willing to get knocked out or like the gnarliest whiplash your life but you know when you want to come up to that ramp you want to have it like almost as high in the rpm range as you can and you let off a little bit right as you hit the ramp and then you blip it again just to get the nose up and so like you can load the the trajectory load the back suspension you know to keep that nose up so it'll fly straighter uh otherwise you know like let's say if you go and run up to the ramp then you grab second and then it just kind of bogs down well then you hit that ramp and then you nose dive and you know then you just then you just can't but yeah next time i jump a car i'll keep that in mind (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. For all. Uh, also, Azutsu uh, Amigos are phenomenal for jumping. Uh, short wheelbase is really what you want because you know they, they tend to fly nose up. So mm. that's what you want. Short wheelbase car to jump. Uh, longer the wheelbase, the more the more risk you run uh, with uh, nose, nose diving. diving. Yeah. Fucking yourself up. That makes sense. You want to know what the thing that I remember your lesson? It was what? just don't slow down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all. Well, I mean, you were talking about driving through sand specifically, but is that when you went and buried your car? Uh, uh maybe. And then we had to, to pull you out. Uh, no, that was backing up because we moved the first time, and then we had to back and get out. This was coming in. We were going down for the first time, and you were like, "Okay, just don't slow down." <laughs> I was like, "All right," and we just like gunned it all the way down to the beach. Oh yeah, it was fine. Good times. Okay, so what else are you working on besides all of this Hoonigan stuff? How are they dealing with quarantine? Oh, quarantine is actually, you know, like I said, Hoonigan is really good at pivoting right. because you know what, we make changes so fast that like everybody's used to it. So, um, for the quarantine stuff, we started doing, um, live broadcasts on YouTube and Facebook and stuff. Uh, we do the same broadcast. It's, you know, we're able to do it live on Facebook and YouTube at the same time. And then, um, you know, we've, we've developed a live show and it's actually been really cool to do because we've learned a lot about it. And the main hosts are myself and Corey Hosford, who, you know, we always host all of the live Burnyard Bash events that we host mm-hmm. or that we hold at Hoonigan. Uh, Burnyard Bash is basically like a, we do it live at Irwindale Speedway at our Burnyard location. And we have like a 10,000 person grandstand or 2,000 person, sorry, not 10,000, <laughs> not that big yet. Um, and those are rad. You know, last one sold out within like an hour. So that was cool. And then usually Hurt, Dan, uh, myself, you know, we're all yeah. on it. Sometimes John Chase. And then, you know, sometimes the other guys will kind of come in. We use like Zoom to kind of be like the host for the the live, you know, like having everybody in Hollywood squares, if you will. Right. Uh, and then, much. yeah, man. Exactly. And so we've been able to actually like sell integration into that and, um, you know, keep, keep the business alive, you know, and and flowing and it's actually been doing good. You know, we get like really good fan engagement, you know, we can talk to the fans live. Yeah. We can show ridiculous things that we found on the internet. Well, and that's the awesome thing about Hoonigan not being as like overproduced as other people's stuff is that you're able to pivot and just keep doing what you're doing in a different format. It hasn't changed all that much. Yeah. And then like the build, we've been doing build content where um, we've sent the different guys like or it's we call it home wrenchers. <laughs> right. And so that's basically filling in where the guys just bring all the cameras and shoot it all themselves at their own home garage. Right. right? And they're building their cars and which is rad because it's like now everybody's because everybody's been a jack of all trades, like everybody knows how to operate cameras. Everybody knows how to set up different stuff, uh, set up time lapses, do like head cams and, and do updates and stuff so you know everybody is pretty self-sufficient when it comes to filming something where they they can do enough of it by themselves and then just hand over the footage to one of our editors and then they can take that and you know make content that's actually like it's actually been really rad like i love the home renter stuff um that's true it is like hoonigan university you come in and you have to like learn all of this stuff to be able to be like proficient on your own 
Oh, yeah, basically, Scotto is like an African warlord <laughs> that's like going and pillaging uh, villages and then taking the children yeah. and then like training them as child soldiers. <laughs> so that's that's kind of how this works, you know. Like we we bring, you know, we we take in the the youngsters and then oh, uh, train them to fire and brimstone <laughs> and just turn them into absolute killing machines. Warriors, and, exactly. <laughs> and uh, no, it works out really good, you know. And everybody's pretty much everybody's like really self sufficient and. You know, it's like we're, we're a team of Navy SEALs that can just get dropped in and find our way back to the... No man left behind. Everybody can fill in for everybody else's, like, skill set, too. Because everybody kind of has their hands and everything, so... Yeah. I think I was actually the only editor that was a host, though. So I don't do so much editing anymore because I do more hosting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, obviously, if you're editing, you know, you're, you're fucking buried in a computer for... 12 to 16 hours a day, right? Because right? you can't break that flow. So I don't edit necessarily too much anymore, but you know, I was able to train a handful of guys that are absolute beasts now. Yeah. And I would, I would gladly say that they're like much better than I am because <laughs> you know, they're just, their, their sense of humor and stuff goes further beyond than what mine's capable of. You know what I mean? Plus I'm getting kind of rickety and old, you know, <laughs> so the, the younger here, I mean, I'm not that old, but I mean, in the sense of this like YouTube shit, yeah. I mean, I'm 34. Yeah. A lot of the people doing this are in their like early twenties, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, we got a lot of young guys now editing that are fucking crushing it. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Nice. What's on your bucket list? What do you want to do in the next year or so? What are you looking forward to? Oh, man. I haven't. You know what? I never think ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, uh, there's uh, things that I want to. I mean, there's like some immediate things that I like. I know I like absolutely have to do. Um, like I bought before this whole quarantine thing started. I mean, actually, this is couple months ago, I bought a, a 1978 K5 Jimmy. So it's like a blazer basically. And, um, you know, we had set up to build that into like a radical off-road vehicle, but then, you know, COVID hit and it's stuck at the donut garage, uh, and I can't work on it and stuff. So I got to build that, <laughs> you know, that, that's definitely something I need to do. But, um, I don't know. I would like to expand on a few things that I'm already doing. Like I have my own camshaft with this company called Texas Speed. Um, they kind of allowed me to do something ridiculous, but it's worked out really good. The camshaft is for like LS-based engines, right? Mm-hmm. And it's called the BFD, which stands for Bigfoot's Dick Cam Grind. <laughs> so it's like a giant cam. It's almost like stupid to have on a streetcar, but it's just like chops super hard and it just sounds radical. And as it turns out, a lot of people are like, really into the fact that it's like, yo, fuck having like the fastest thing on the street or like the, the most like sensible thing. <laughs> I want that shit to sound so savage when I pull up to a stoplight or like idle through a parking lot, oh, you know, God. that like people are like, damn. So that's worked out really good. But I'd like to expand on that. You know, I've always I've always been into, you know, creating new stuff. And I'd like to there's a lot of like product stuff that I would like to create. And, you know, with and like collaborate with people on. And then, um, you know, I, there's a lot of, I want to get out and go on longer road, motorcycle rides some more. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I, I do it all the time, but I mean, like, you know, there's some shit that I want to do, like, you know, that, that abandoned life for like a month or two and then go ride a Harley across the States. Yes. You know? That'd be awesome. Yeah. I have a friend who yeah. did that last summer. 
Hell yeah. It's a good idea. We get out of quarantine. We have lots to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I would like to shoot a uh, uh, minigun out of a helicopter. I don't know why, but I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> So if you're listening, get at me on Instagram. I was just about Mr. to say, where can people find Zachary, you? You know, uh, M-I-S-T-E-R underscore Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y. You know, if you've got a helicopter and a minigun and you're down with me just blasting rounds out of the side of that bitch, you're like, I'm your guy. You've, you've found Well, let's say you got an offshore speedboat and you know what? You want to like go full Miami Vice and you just need a bro to, you know, wear a fucking pink suit. And, well, you know, do I have the bro for you? Full, like, look, I just, there's, I want to live a Don Johnson <laughs> lifestyle circa 85. <laughs> yeah. uh, white pants and all. I'm a big fan of white suits, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and pastels and sunshine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah. I love it. We got off on a tangent there. Uh, no, it's good. No, I was just about to ask, what's your preferred social media site and where can people find you? So. Oh, well, that's that, that, that. Instagram is, uh, you know, the thing I'm heaviest on. Don't really use the Facebook or anything like that. By the way, speaking about that era, I'm really bummed about COVID because, um, you know, we had got hooked up with uh, our buddy to get, um, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's like May 29th. Uh, you know, I'd never been to the Hollywood Bowl. So my first show at the Hollywood Bowl is going to be a bitchin' table at Hall & Oates. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're opening the season this year. I forgot. Or they were supposed to. Yeah. Oh, that sucks, dude. And then, and then to see Dave Chappelle. Oh but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It. Uh, I don't think it's gonna happen. So I'm pretty pissed about that. Somebody just. I just really wanted to go to Hollywood Bowl. Uh, I can't believe you've never been. I I went like nine times last summer because they have the whole session season and if you go day of tickets are like 29 dollars because it's just like random shit so we would go to like sing-alongs or random concerts on like a tuesday we're like you want to go to hollywood great and so we would just jump over and go see whatever was playing it was awesome i have a bunch of friends who bought Alanis tickets because she's coming back and she's doing like a week at the Hollywood Bowl. I doubt that'll happen too. Yeah, probably not. I don't think uh, we're going to be in large groups for some time, which is a bummer, man. Like the one thing this quarantine thing has really made obvious is that like it's really cool to be around a bunch of people. (laughs) Isn't it strange when you watch stuff like on TV now that you immediately kind of it takes you out of it because I saw some like giant crowd at a bar or something on, on some show or like people waiting in line. And I was like, Ooh, that would never happen now. That seems so foreign to me seeing, you know, sporting events where everybody's crammed in a stadium. And I'm just like, Oh, right. That was normal. I mean, just remember back in the day, you'd be in Las Vegas in the club, sweating, body shot, shoulder to shoulder, or like, you know, down in Cancun, <laughs> ripping tequila out of some random girl's belly button. <laughs> exactly. They, would never do that now it would get all over your mask no 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 no. (laughs) i feel like human nature will bring us back Uh, you know because obviously we had the spanish flu okay yeah we got back to it i just i'm wondering how long it's going to take i wonder how how big of pussies everybody's going to be but (laughs) again obviously nobody wants to be sick and die right but you know it's like that people need to be around one another you know what i mean it's just like that's just how human nature is yeah 
I think it's teaching people a lot of uh, a lot of life skills. Maybe we all just need to get your tattoo and just say, "Don't die." Yeah, just send it and just you send know, it? fucking yeah, open mouth kiss everybody you see and just like <laughs> whatever. If you die, just don't. Just don't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anything else you want to add? This is a lovely conversation with you, Zach Martins. Thanks for thanks no, for chatting this, with you. You know what? This has been great, Bree. I'm, I'm glad you hit me up. I, I had a lot. I had a lot of fun. Drank some Coors. <laughs> talked about all times this is this has been great and i hope uh we get to work on a project again in the future here it uh involves you know more people leaving our apartment <laughs> exactly i want to get back to gnar stuff you know what i mean yes. and we, we need somebody to keep the fucking wheels on the bus so that's what i'm here for exactly <laughs> all right well thank you so much Bri. thanks man are you actually recording that yeah oh shit i'm sorry i was looking at my dog and making that's fine <laughs> I was like, that's great. <laughs> What's going on, Bree? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I feel so, so in uh, derp. <laughs> that was it. Nice and cool. Yes. <laughs> I have to I pee it. so I had, to, I had to pee so bad, by the way, that I had to undo my pants. <laughs> it's just like, I'm going to make it through without breaking. <laughs> you did. You did great. Thanks for having me on the show, Bree. Uh, that's that sounds so disingenuous. Fuck this. Just delete this <laughs> recording, and you know what? Just do the original one. It's cool. It's better that way. It's more organic. You know what? We don't need to be fucking lame. Fuck this. Fuck. 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 Thanks for doing this. I've drank six cures. Welcome to the show, Zach. So excited to have you. Fuck this. <laughs> uh, thank you, Bree, and go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's going in. That's a, that's going to be my outro for every show. <laughs> Thank you, Brie, and go fuck yourself. Okay, bye. Hey, thanks for listening to episode four of the Brie Search Project with Zach Mertens. I can't say I didn't warn you guys that it was going to be a fun ride. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reference any of the stuff that we talk about in the episodes or want to learn where to find the guests, go to BrieCube.com. The Brie Search webpage has show notes and links to details and all the stuff we talk about in the episodes right there for you to check out. If you haven't yet, please like and subscribe on all the podcast platforms. Follow us at Brie Search on Instagram. And I can't wait for you guys to hear the episodes we've got coming up. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys next time. Oh,